welcome to another episode of Art Blog Radio. I'm your host for today, Whit Lopez. I am super excited to be sitting in the gallery at Frontline Arts in Branchburg, New Jersey, surrounded by an exhibition called The War on the World, which runs from October 17th until November 17th. So you still have time to come out here and see it. I'm accompanied by right now, Tara Krause and Rachel Heberling, who are affiliated with the organization. Rachel is the executive director and Tara is a member of the board of directors. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having us, Whit. We really appreciate you coming in today. No, yeah, thank you. This is so exciting, Whit. I mean, to be <laughs> part of Art Blog, to be part of just what you're doing in your own connective arts um, oh, process. thank you. No, I've been I've been a fan of the work that Frontline does for a while. Um, I mean, I had a presentation when I was at the in the master's program of arts administration at Drexel University a couple of years back. I got a presentation about frontline arts and I was absolutely smitten with the work that's being done here and so I really really think that it's so important so can you tell me a little about a little bit about the mission behind frontline arts sure um, our mission is to connect and um, build communities through socially engaging arts practices rooting in printmaking and paper making um, so that's really our motto, and we'll get more in-depth about it today, but our, our focus now, since we're basically two organizations that merged, um, the Printmaking Center, formerly Council of New Jersey since 1973, wow. uh, merged with Frontline Arts in uh, fall of 2017, which came out of Combat Paper New Jersey, a veterans program where we make paper out of military uniforms. And so we're really focused on connecting veterans and non-veterans in our community here, our whole original core member group of printmakers, mm -hmm. and all of our veterans and paper makers have come together. That's really amazing. That's really amazing. So can you, can you tell me a little bit more about Combat, Combat Paper, and how that came about as an organization, if you're comfortable with speaking about that? Yeah. Sure, absolutely. I'll just say uh, quickly that it really started here in about 2011. Um, Linda Helmkrapf, which was one of our former executive directors, helped to bring in the group um, with some of our original founders like David Keefe, who's now the president of the board, um, Eli Wright, and uh, Walt Nygaard came on early and he's our frontline paper manager and main paper maker here every week. And the group has just continued to grow ever since. And uh, I personally have been here since 2014 as the studio manager and just became the, the ED this April after Amanda Gorsigner stepped down, who gave the presentation to you at Drexel. Um, and Tara has been with us for a couple years, um, coming straight into the Frontline Paper Program, where we have an open studio every Sunday free for veterans basically wonderful for you know since 2011 and uh, we also do mobile workshops all over the country so we'll, we'll talk more about some of those oh, workshops amazing. soon but mm -hmm. i want to hand this over to tara to talk from the veterans perspective thank you rachel um i think it's very special i i had seen actually when i was in the ba hospital lions um one time in one of the bands, I saw this sign that said Print Council in New Jersey. Mm. And I, I looked at it long, longingly that said, one day I'm going to. 
Well, I came for a class that Rachel was giving, I think, on dry point etching, or, or it was a it was a beautiful technical class on you know the guts of etching. Mm. Um, and then I found out that there were veterans here, and I came in on the Sunday program, and it was like I came home that these were these were. I mean, we have um, vets from either from ranging from um, early Vietnam to guys that are fresh home, um, you know, from Af Iraq and Afghanistan. And to be able to create alongside of them when we um, work with the uh, uniforms is truly extraordinary because the whole process of deconstructing, like, give you two, two examples um, of working with the uniforms. And we've done everything from what World War I coastal artillery, the jodhpurs, to, to actually some of the uniforms. One uniform I was um, oh, using a seam ripper to um, work the cuff, you know, mm. so that we can get the fabric in. Because we have to cut it down, we have to take the uniform and cut out the seams and get it down to postage size, um, wow. you know, little slips of cloth. Um, and in it, I came across this red stitching um, in this hem of the sleeve. And in it was some pebbles. And Like rocks? Me, like rocks. Okay. That somebody <laughs> had lovingly sewn into their uniform. Aww. We would get, and, and to, you know, why did they sew it in? Did one of their buddies die that day mm. beside that? And that was his way? You know, was it, what was it? Because obviously it was a symbolic act. It was red mm. thread. Um, other times we found, we found a medal in one of them. Wow. Um, you would find cigar butts and and um, <laughs> a lot of sand, a lot of sand as you would be going into it. And in fact, it, and it's a sacred act. It's a sacred dis deconstruction where it started when um, oh Eli Wright and the whole original cohort of veterans found, you know, discovered this process where they were ripping their uniforms in, in a ritual um, and, and deconstructing it, actually. And, and you would think that it was transgressive, but because it's such a symbolic cloth that's killed and has been killed and holds the suffering within the textile, mm. when you cut it up, there's a releasing of that energy. And then we put it through a beater. And then um, the pulp, and that, that's a very loud, you know, <laughs> grinding type of thing. But then you put that pulp that these uniforms turn into it, which I guess if you haven't pulp paper, it looks like drier lint that would be wet. <laughs> Okay, it's, it's gobs. You know, sometimes if it's colored, it looks like, I don't know, hamburger or something. But it would be this gray, oh, it'd be this, this gray um, glob. Mm -hmm. And they go into these big vats of um, water. And then you start with your hands.
going through the water. And, and to me, it is a ritual bath. Mm. Um, one little, Walt was telling the story the other day of one little boy couldn't control himself. He was just so excited. He wanted to put his hands in the vat water. And Walt says, of course, you know, I mean, that's the whole thing <laughs> is that we're taking this in bodily, you know, mm. to, to reform it for our expression. So this little boy plunges his hands in <laughs> and it's so cool because it's a wet environment. And then he says, it's like putting my hand in the clouds. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> oh, you know, and, and you, well, we did. Shall we, sorry, um, shall we share our underpulping? We might as well. Yeah, I mean, we did, we're, we're always trying to come up with new projects. It's kind of like our migration project with, um, oh, um, the Bronx Museum and um, uh, Cantamundo mm. um, in partnership for the migration. We've been trying to work on an, an idea of um, what could we do in underpulping, in taking, and it's, it's about violence against women and children and men. Mm. Um, and so we called it underpulping. The idea is you pulp your underwear and then you oh. make art of that. Well, I took some of my VA pajamas from the hospital that are bright pink. It's, it's called, I forget what, Miller Pink. And it's mm. specifically, it was developed by the Navy to um, subdue men in prison. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, and wow. there's actually a Pantone color number. We, we found that out. Wow. So in cutting up. This is new information for yeah, me. <laughs> the VA psych pajamas, we had this vat, and we were doing it right during the Kavanaugh Senate here, you know, Senate confirmation hearing, oh. where they were destroying one more woman's voice that had come forward. Mm. Um, and we were just, you know, I mean, it, it's so beautiful to put our hands in this vat mm -hmm. and take apart the, the threads of, of violence mm. and then remake and make this beautiful tissue-like. I mean, you, you could feel the difference in our paper, whether it was, um, we've had one workshop that worked um, with Syrian refugees, and one woman had made and gave the cloth of her shirt that she wore in fleeing. Oh, wow. And she cut wow. it up and made paper, then created out of it. Mm. Whoa! And and then spoke yeah. her her story upon that paper. Wow. Um, and and to me it it always it, it's amazing because so many marginalized. I mean, the idea within the veterans is the notion of silent veteran. You go to war, you come back, you don't talk about it. Mm. Um, you you don't bear your own wounds, and you don't hold anybody accountable. Oh, wow. And you are housebroken and marginalized. Um, and we all know stories about um, veterans of other, um, other wars, the, you know, the great wars um, where the men were silent 
than people that fell through the cracks, okay, and homeless and, and all that, and that was suffering in, in the darkness and marginalized. So this whole idea about finding our marginalized voices. Absolutely. And this is where the, the bringing veterans and non-veterans together, communities, all these marginalized people from different perspectives, and to be able then to tell each other our stories and create art out of it, we find this commonality. We we find we find the poetry in our narratives. Mm, so wow. yeah, I went on. I mean, I could keep on telling these stories because it's amazing. I mean, you're the, welcome to the physical. <laughs> I I will say something. I'll interject some feminist art into this. We were we were we had a big stack of uniforms, you know, that had come in and and we're trying to get ready, make make paper and, and Walt Nygaard was leading us through um, trying to get us to cut faster. And <laughs> and and then Eli Wright was there and he was a combat me medic. So he was like, No, don't use a rotary. You cannot use a rotary um, tool. I don't want anybody, you know, bleeding out on my Oh my goodness. Um, my <laughs> textile table. Um, so so we were all set up on these stations, and there were three of us um, cutting seams mm -hmm. so that another group could cut. Well, as it turned out, we were cutting the crotches out of these uniforms. And I was doing it for about 20 minutes, you know, just all of us going, you know, working as a team, you know, knocking it out. And all of a sudden it was like, we're cutting the crotches out of these uniforms. And for a disabled woman vet that has survived military sexual trauma, mm. that was a, wow. a weird, weird. I mean, you know, nothing that we, and the guys kind of looked wow. at me with, they dropped their jaws too, because wow. I did myself. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the beauty of this community that once I said it, People took a breath. I mean, they laughed mm. first because it's, well, it could be a feminist art joke, um, you know, in, and juggling the humor of paradox um, and trying to get that joy in. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But, but then they all took a breath and they would go, yeah. And then mm. we'd go back to work. But this, that taking a breath and going, yeah, when you hear somebody... That acknowledgement. Yeah, yeah, just because it flows out of you. I mean, that's the oh, beauty yeah. of frontline arts and the paper processes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let me... Mm -hmm. You might well, want to... Yeah, yeah, well, it's just amazing the weight that a piece of clothing has to yes. it. Yes, I mean, yes. absolutely. A lot of the, the transformation is, is taking an object that has... You know, it's been through so much and it holds so many connotations and, um, you know, even going back to what you were mentioning with the, the underpulping, I mean, that's an interesting model. And I, I wanted to give a couple uh, shout outs Please. with yeah. that, yeah. too, exactly. um, that uh, underpulping is something that was developed by Margaret Shepard who's in Iowa and was part of the panty pulping movement uh, with Drew Matat of Peace Paper. 
And uh, it was Drew Matat and Drew Cameron that founded the Combat Paper Project, which was mm. what um, our original Combat Paper New Jersey founders based their model off of. So there's, there's a whole network of various paper makers throughout the country and the world um, that do some of this work. Um, but our organization is the only one that I know of that is really focused on bringing together the veterans and non-veterans in various communities, as, as Tara, men uh, Tara mentioned, the migration project that our board president and co-founder Dave Keefe is working on um, with uh, communities in the Bronx and Harlem, working with um, clothing from various um, workers and um, uniforms as well as native plants and mole ingredients. Um, wow. They're going to be sending the artwork back and forth across the border That's and we'll amazing. be having an exhibition um, in 2020, early 2020 here. So we're constantly working to connect communities around the world. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I, <laughs> I think that's really that's really wonderful information to know. Do you have any other projects on the on the horizon in that way? Um, well, some of them are top secret. <laughs> and, that, and that's fine too. Kidding. I don't want to cross any lines. It's fine. <laughs> no, those are some of our main ones. Um, I'll talk about. Um, frontline paper. So some of our employees are not here right now because, uh, so for our mobile program, basically we have a mobile uh, Oracle paper beater and all the equipment and accoutrements, mm -hmm. gallons of pulp and vats um, that go into a van that we've had for several years. And that's how we travel the project all over the country. So right now we're at Stockton University. Uh, we have James Yee and Walt Nygaard, two veterans running that. Um, that's all orchestrated by our frontline paper um, program manager, Ron Erickson. And I just wanna brag a minute that um, just about half of our board are veterans and almost half of our staff are as well. That's wonderful. So we, that's we have great. to- walk the talk here. Absolutely. Um, and we just um, finished at the USO, Walter Reed in Bethesda, Maryland. We go to the USO several times a year, um, also at Fort Belvoir in Virginia. And we just did our first uh, frontline paper workshop at uh, um, Bellarmine University in Kentucky at the beginning wow. of October. So we, we keep going further and further out. And and it's exciting to, to find these communities of veterans going back to school, going back to school or coming first to school. Mm -hmm. And to find them, you know, through, um, who was the one that ran the community? Um, I don't have her name. But she was this marvelous catalyst of community of the vets on campus. Mm -hmm. And she brought forth so many interesting vets that that threw down and went through it. And some people said, well, what are we doing? What, what kind of art do we want to make? And, and some people want, may want to commemorate their service or you know talk about their pride in serving certain um, units and that's part of their identity. And then other people were beginning to kind of peel that away and talking about the effect that war had had on them mm. and what they had done as warriors and then also what their children were experiencing. Oh, wow. 
So something for me that, uh, that when I first heard the presentation about frontline arts that stuck with me, and that wasn't necessarily mentioned directly, was the healing process that frontline arts focuses on for veterans and allowing folks to have that voice when they come back home and to get healing from this project. Uh, so would you be open to talking about maybe the healing behind this project and behind the mission of Frontline Arts? I find I'm always surprised, and I shouldn't be because we hear it enough and we all feel it, but over and over and over again, folks will say, either very guardedly because it's like rocking them to a core, or people just say it out of gratitude, but this project saved my life. Mm, wow. And that is, I know it did for me. Wow. I, I know that being able to do this process, and um, Eli Wright talks about um, rag pickers on Civil War battlefields that would take uniforms off the dead to mm. be able to use to be um, repurposed into paper. Wow. And there's something really honoring about it and 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 people will talk about we we had um, I know several times in um, in order to keep his you know confidence but will people will say my wife never knew what I did there but I live with it every day mm. and they make art out of it you know and then they share the art and then people around them see the art and we begin the conversations um, that's that, that that's probably and there's something about doing this wordless it's not silent you know we're, yeah. we're, we're having a good time you know it's pretty <laughs> raucous there but but it's there's a primalness to taking it into the water there's a primalness of washing it, um, of the rhythm that you, you begin to develop when you cooch the paper, mm. um, when you're, you know, you, you want to hold it at a certain angle um, to have the drips, and you're measuring the drips from when it's running off your, um, uh, you know, when the paper is, the water's coming down to exactly the right time to then put it, you know, mm. flip it down. It's very hands-on, and it's very rhythmic. Um, and then when people create art, it's just, it brings us to a core. You know, this is, we can, we find community. We, we try to find joy out of, out of pain. You know, that, that I think the, the mo being in motion and being in creation and sharing that story, the storytelling is heavy stuff. Um, where people get to tell their stories. Um, and to have this process that is healing. It's healing the rip in mm. the uniform. Just to do that, rip it asunder, and then create a new truth out of it, and share that truth, and then learn about other people's truths. Wow. Do you have, please jump right in because. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remembered Dave Keith saying at one point, um, just an incredible moment that happens when 
you, you have you can have such a diverse group of people in a room that might not come together otherwise they might not talk to each other hmm. but the moment everyone's hands go into the vat of pulp you know this happens at schools as well because mm -hmm. um, we do youth programs and professional development wow. and you know just just some magic happens and then all of a sudden everybody is on a common ground yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I felt that happen just again so just this past Sunday we had the reception and artist talks for the exhibition mentioned, The War on the World. And this was and is a communication between everybody, all populations, on the effect of the military and the environment. And we just had an incredible series of talks with veterans and non-veterans, longtime members, brand new artists um, to the organization. You can actually find the recording <laughs> on oh, our website great. if you want to rewatch it or on Facebook. And, and yeah. what is your, could you oh, sure. share your website? What is that it? is a wonderful question. It is <laughs> frontlinearts.org. And you can find us on Facebook as uh, frontlinearts slash PCNJ. And Instagram is frontlinearts.studio. Twitter is frontline underscore arts. So awesome. Thank you. We try to do it all. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. Sure. I think folks should definitely look out for that recording. Oh, thanks. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting. And as, as mentioned, Sundays are for veterans only and has been um, for almost a decade. But the whole rest of the time that we're open, which is almost seven days a week, <laughs> we're not open on Mondays, although key holders, which are people that have 24-hour access to the studio, um, they, they can schedule and come in. Um, we, we are for absolutely everyone. And so we also cater to the tradition and the technique of just plain fine art printmaking as well and paper making and in fact we have a internationally renowned uh, printmaking instructor Ron Picasso flying in from New Mexico next week Amazing. teaching a three-day course and so yeah we still do all the things that the printmaking center always did um, I just say we're we're more focused as well on paper making and the veteran community and and also the 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 making of, I, I just love this combination because we're, we're more than a community art center and we're, we're more grounded than say the, the incredible addition in fine art printmaking studios. Mm -hmm. There's this marvelousness of being able to be, you know, solid, hardcore master printer skills that are being passed on and taught. Then at the same time, being able to be open enough to folks that come in and they've never done it before. Mm -hmm. and, and to be able to create a culture, mm -hmm. a, a space, a sacred space of a studio where people can come in and share. Mm -hmm. And Sharon, it's diverse enough Amazing. that the, and once we get that communication going, mm -hmm. I'm surprised it just flows. Mm. Um, yeah, that's something beautiful. It's in process. It's, we care about the craft. We're rooted. We're really rooted in um, 
the the historic legacy of printmaker voices. Wow. Um, uh, I know for me, um, you know, from the Renaissance engravers to then Goya and Colvitz and um, the Mexican Revolution printmakers of absolutely, um, you know, of um, Leopold Mendez and then um, Elizabeth. Catlett, I always don't pronounce her name. Elizabeth Catlett. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, well, Philly, yeah. Philly, two years ago had their amazing Paint the Revolution show. Mm. Oh, it was, I went down three times. I just <laughs> couldn't get enough of it. I began to know the museum guard by, by face to do it. But they had, oh my God, they had from paintings to the prints, and it changed me. That show changed me. It's I mean, wonderful. you love to experience those things where where it really comes in. I mean, that just blew it back. It was after yeah. that show that I got I found you guys. Oh wow! Yeah. So thank you. That's really, amazing. Really, really wow! <laughs> it's more than just the Rocky statue. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, and the gilded Joan of Arc. In fact, yes. I did a, a large scale print of that. Oh, that's, that's amazing. I shot, I, I shot, yes, I shot her and her horse um, on New Year's Day and then did a, a large engraving of it. And I've gotten two done, I have one more that's to amazing. go for a triptych. Yeah, <laughs> wow. and it's, it's, it's called um, uh, Joan of Arc First Steps is to demount, Dismount. Yeah, so you is this on display anywhere? Not yet, not yet. Okay. We we did one. It was amazing that it came because it was highly experimental. I hadn't gone large scale yet, mm. and we all kind of held a breath. And I I actually took it wet to the show that we did show it to. Which is, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I know, people, like... it, it's so beautiful because everybody's like. Go, 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 God! I hope she doesn't screw it up. <laughs> no, in, in the spirit of. You know, um, shoot to the moon. We're doing this experiment, and in risking all, you know, wow, it's that moment of the free fall where you get the grace, you know, and then you hope you don't mess up <laughs> other people's work. And you know, I mean, being respectful Absolutely. of oh, yeah. an artist's messy process. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, when you do have this triptych on display, please let me know. Absolutely. I would love to be there. I would love Absolutely. to see it. Yeah. So that's really wonderful. Oh, and, and Tara's work is also uh, scattered throughout this current exhibition. She did an amazing series um, about uh, Agent Orange. Yeah, it was um, a mm, litany yeah. against Agent Orange, and it's 39 um, line of cuts that um, is it yeah. these? Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, they're beautiful. For um, those of you who are listening, it's very small. They're, they're about four by six, it looks like, scattered around the gallery on every, on almost every wall, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on every wall in the gallery. Mm -hmm. um, these very small but very detailed pieces, they're beautiful, mm -hmm. absolutely beautiful. And shameless plug, she's selling all of them for 25 a piece and donating the proceeds. Absolutely, they all go to, it's so like, Quick, jump in the pickup trucks. I don't care, you know. Hitchhike from from Philly, you know. Jump on the train, and we'll pick you up. Um, you know, collect them, trade them. It's kind of like we had the um, 
Oh, the playing cards for the um, Iraq war and our wanted targets. Well, these are the actual pictures from the archives of the um, Ironbound uh, Community Corporation from Newark when they and the children were um, taking to the streets against the dioxin poisoning that Diamond Shamrock did. Wow. Um, and so, to me, it's really exciting. And you can see in those, that all of a sudden, it was a dark subject. It's, you know, how do you talk about this, the most toxic chemical known to man is being released into the New York Bite. Wow. You know, and the, the sediments are still, and Harrison and Newark and Ironbound are still, still to this day, two times a day with the high tide, low tide, um, dioxin contaminants spread. And they spread through the food chain, they spread in, you know, there are particles in Jamaica Bay that will, you know, that are there. there you could actually, how I came to it was, I lived in Harrison, my, my kids played on the soccer teams in Harrison. Um, you have tremendous, um, you know, it's, it's eco-racism in um, tragically, um, a tragically classic case study hmm. of um, uh, Diamond Shamrock along with Monsanto and Dow produce this um, Agent Orange, the herbicide that um, was sprayed on the forests and our soldiers and the Vietnamese soldiers and the Vietnamese people. Um, and it's still causing birth defects into the third generation. Hmm. So, and, and we're losing, we're losing our um, Vietnam veterans that have Agent Orange um, cancer. And we're losing, I mean, talk about Ironbound. Um, the, the best part of that, that um, stretch, you know, mile, mile, square mile or so, stretch um, that, that hugs the um, North Shore, or actually the South Shore of the Passaic right um, to the uh, southeast, excuse me, of um, Newark. But you see, the, there, the average is 10% poverty level. Um, there are pockets of 40% poverty level. Um, total majority is um, minority, um, Latino, Black, um, also Hispanic, European Hispanic. Um, and and you see this, and you see the decades of of just poisoning, mm. poisoning. I mean, they would release it into the the diamond shamrock had several accidental spills, but they actually made sure that all documents were destroyed. They've spent three decades. Um, engineering this way of having a shell corporation fight responsibility. Um, and so when, when I was doing this and, and saying, okay, how can I make it, there's going to be a pop-up because I've been looking about how to use the pop-up form of an mm. artist book to tell a story. 
um, well, this was turning out to be like a graphic novel without mm, words. Wow. And, and then when we cut it up and slapped it on the wall, it was kind of like, ooh, I could see stickering this in corporate halls and, you mm. know, bathroom <laughs> stalls. I love you know, it. I like, love it. Like doing that and just the very fact. So, but it was dark. It was dark, you know. I was, I was looking at, um, Oh, Vietnamese hospital that only handles and cares for um, the children, the grandchildren of Agent Orange. Um, wow. And, and it was really dark. And then I found the archives of online. It was their Picturing Justice um, project where the Ironbound um, Community Corporation took all their newsletters from the 80s, from the 70s, um, and, and forward, you know, I said all these, but they actually showed kids in the streets with science saying, right to know, directo de Sabir, um, Sabir, uh, the right to know, I'm sorry, my, my Spanish is terrible. It's okay. My, no, it's my fault. In fact, I, I want to, I want to grow my Spanish much better so I can get into, what was, oh, I, I took, sorry, this was a, I'm hoping that I could find, because it was a call out from the, the um, printmakers from Oaxaca, mm. um, they, I don't want to completely embarrass myself as a gringa, and um, <laughs> I'm saying because it was so evocative, it was, <laughs> No, I'm sorry, I don't have it, but it was poet, poetica? It was how do you, how do you ima imagine a world into being with strength and spirit and poetry? Hmm. And I wish I could That's say beautiful. that in Spanish, but I can't even pronounce, <laughs> pronounce basic <laughs> ones. So it's my, um, my need to grow. Um, but, oh, okay, so I found these archives. And these kids were there on the line saying, why are you killing my daddy? Why are you killing oh, wow. me and my daddy? Why are we human guinea pigs? Wow. Um, and you saw them also come up um, during the um, battle against the incinerator. Mm. So all this, I mean, 25% um, oh, asthma rate. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's very difficult, but, 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 and I, I think this is where the printmaking in community comes. As we see the strength, we see the hope in action. Mm. And we see this and we can hold it up and we can express it and help other people tell their story and express mm. it. Definitely. Through our, through our deconstructed paper. And, and then all of a sudden we can act in hope we can mm. have a realistic sense of hope that's beautiful that it's not just um you know hold our hands and naively dream i love to naively dream i want to be a naive <laughs> dreamer um, um but but that it can be real yeah and we absolutely. can tell ourselves that these are our stories and we've heard when our country when the US did do awesome things socially when we had movements that changed our country um, I'm sorry don't mean to 
Um, <laughs> You're getting excited. Yeah, I am. I'm sorry. I'm like talking. With, you guys can't see me, but I'm talking with my hands. And I'm just, <laughs> like, I, I am so in love with what I'm seeing in the streets, mm -hmm. where, where people are, are coming. And, and, and as I was saying to Whit, wow, as I live and learn, <laughs> I, I take such joy, such release, such freedom out of watching this younger generations, and I know everybody slams and you can say, okay, boomer. Um, <laughs> but I would but, never no, say that. Not, no, you are, you are one of compassion and solidarity, but I'm so glad you guys are here. I just say that I will be happy to keep carving and printing and and holding up this mirror to this amazing amount of social justice and um, activism and art. Yeah, that's so. wonderful. That is uh, that is so it's so heartwarming. And honestly, I I've loved this conversation. I've loved and even the conversation that happened before this and all the laughter that we had over the cannolis. <laughs> yeah, gotta have cannolis. <laughs> right. We even talked right. to this. Yeah. <laughs> prior to getting on these microphones, yes. but I'm appreciative of both of you and the work that you're doing in the community, and not just in within the veteran community, but also with connecting other communities to the veteran community and connecting the vet community to other communities as well. So thank you. That's really, it's really wonderful. It's really beautiful and it's healing and it's hopeful, like Tara said. So that's, that's fantastic. Thank you. For those of you out there who are listening, make sure that you make your way to Branchburg, New Jersey to see the War on the World, which is the exhibition that's currently here at the gallery at Frontline Arts, which is located at 440 River Road, Branchburg, New Jersey, 08876. Um, and once again, their website is frontlinearts.org. This exhibition will be up until November 17th of 2019. Make sure that you make your way out there. Thank you, thank you again to Tara and to Rachel for being guests today on Art Blog Radio. For those of you who are listening, you can listen to this podcast on our website, on Apple Podcasts, or on Spotify. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Bye, y'all.